PGA Nation, we are back. We are back with a huge week. It's the U.S. Open. It's a big major. We are super excited for this week. We're just going to erase last week from our memory. Not the best, but I do want to congratulate Dave. He had a great draft. He did win. Uh, on a technicality. Eking out Spencer on a replacement player by a point. But since Dave's not on the show tonight, Spencer picked the order. Um, we also have a very, very special guest joining us this evening. If you gamble on golf at all, this man needs no introduction. Jeff Feinberg drafted with us tonight. Jeff, how you doing tonight? Joel, happy to drop in. U.S. Open week. Excited. Um, I'm excited to do this draft also. So, yeah, I'm happy happy to join. Pretty, pretty fired up. Looking forward to it. We are super happy to have you on. But, Jeff, I'm going to be honest. We're not going to take it easy on you. We're going out for blood <laughs> for major. This isn't no live event. This is the real thing. So we're going after it this week. Uh, see, how about you? How you doing tonight? I'm great because the audience is already like so into it. So we have a guy, Brent Harris, who was in here, who was trying to understand the rules. Like apparently he's watched the last two weeks. So listen, you participate by nominating. Ivan is is helping out here. You participate by nominating a golfer when it's the audience team's turn. Because we have a guest, Jeff Feinberg, who is who is here with us tonight. I'm going to be part of the audience team. So I'll just I'll let the audience nominate their their two guys, but I'll, I'll probably just add some input in there. But Brent, super easy. Just pull up the chat. You were able to pull up the chat by making that comment. So that's what you do when it's the audience's turn. You nominate a player. The first player to get two nominations will be the audience's pick. So that's that's it. That simple. Spence, talk to me. How you doing today? Well, first off, I'm glad that you can join us on this show, Jeff. We appreciate you coming on. And second, I am in the midst of filing that recount after David took me down last week by 1.5 points. I'm under the assumption that the rules have just been completely disregarded at this point. <laughs> Sia has changed sides mid-game. Joel has experienced the greatest heel turn I've ever seen before. Honestly, I've reached the point where I expect nothing less than an absolute chaos from every single show that we do. And I'm excited to see where Jeff fits into that madness this week. Well, I put the bylaws in in clear print on Twitter when the, the discussion came up about the withdrawal. So I can only refer you as an attorney, as counsel for the draft cast. I can only refer you to the bylaws. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, big week this week. I think the pricing on DraftKings is uh, more favorable this week. I, I don't there's not as, quite as much confusion of what we're going to do for value, which is exciting for me. Uh, but before we dive into the draft and get into our picks, we got to, of course, get a course breakdown, which this week, you know, might be a little bit more challenging as there hasn't really been a tournament here in um, 10 years almost. So, Spence, what do you got for us for a breakdown? Yeah, so Brookline is a masterfully pieced together par 70 venue, accentuating the course features and beautifully molding it into one diabolical examination. There are 70 foot trees that stymie shots that are missed to the wrong angle strategically placed bunkers and thick rough that prevent advancement and sinister green complexes that not only rank as some of the smallest you will see all year, but also the trickiest for a few reasons. For starters, the two-tiered complex can create nightmarish speed on your putts, potentially causing balls to funnel off these false fronts that slope from back to front. But maybe even more importantly than that, it will be an extension of the iron play since the green and regulation percentage will be significantly reduced. I started my model with a straightforward 22.5% on weighted tee to green. 
I usually don't build this statistic in such a basic fashion since I like recalculating these totals to 100% mimic the course on hand. But with the outside the box narratives I took in other areas, I decided to place things safe here. Uh, since, as Joel said, we don't have long-term data for this venue. Weighted around the green plus sand safe percentage plus bogey avoidance for 17.5%. Essentially, I'm looking for players that will be able to limit mistakes. Weighted total driving 12.5%. You can't miss fairways during a U.S. Open. I looked into hard-to-hit fairways that had thick rough and merged the data in with some driving distance metrics. I did strokes gain total at difficult courses, 10%. Consider this a by-the-book category that goes hand-in-hand with the U.S. Open test. Greens in regulation missed with long iron play, 17.5%. 13 holes require a long iron for the first or second shot. And we know the thick rough and deep bunkers are not to be messed with. Um... Weighted strokes gain on POA slash bet, 10%. That's going to be 85% from a T to green metric. The last 15% is a merging of the POA and bent putting into the mix. And then I finished with proximity from 175 plus yards plus total driving for 10%. Yes, that is a double down of those two metrics, but it combined them into a blueprint that should show the golfers most likely to hit a fairway and then create opportunities with a long iron in hand. Joel, if I, if I could just paraphrase something that you have said in the past, Spencer, that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> that's that, was it. that was fantastic. I appreciate. I was it. like enthralled. Yes. What I like to do is, um, after the show, I pour myself a glass of wine or or just some sort of drink, and uh, I play it at like half speed. And I just sit down <laughs> and I just casually take notes, like old school, with like a pen and a paper. It's it's beautiful. It's music. It is, and and I tell you, this week is more important than most because we don't have all that historical data, right? Take as much of that as you can. You need to use something to find an edge. So uh, I think that's going to be it, right? Finding what this course will play like, getting some of the, the an edge or an advantage on uh, the breakdown will, will be able to help you pick at least your tiebreakers on, on guys you're deciding between. But without further ado, um, we'll dive right into the draft for tonight. I do want to give a quick, quick recap for everyone on how the draft works in case you're new to the show uh you haven't watched us before we basically are going to draft four teams tonight uh the audience is going to be drafting a team with cs so if you're listening live you're involved your picks will go in the chat this is the first with cs it's going to be you're going to nominate players and then c is going to pick which player you guys will choose based off your nominations uh it's a snake draft so like you would any fantasy football draft right one through four and then four through one we pick six golfers a regular DraftKings lineup and you have to be within salary so you can't just take anybody you want you got to make sure you're building a roster that you can actually afford that's it for the breakdown of how we draft i'm gonna go ahead and pull up the draft screen right now and we're gonna dive right in so the order for tonight is going to be spencer jeff me then sia spencer you're on the clock you will notice that I have merged the names of Sia and the audience into one. I felt like that was only fitting after watching Sia transform into being one with the audience over the past few shows. But I am going to take the golfer that my model believes is the second most underpriced player on the board. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out who number one is. And I assume he will be off the board very shortly after this. But the yes. golfer I am speaking of will carry a little less ownership and just as much upside that player, of course, is Tony Finau, 8,200, who not only grades as the fourth-ranked option in my model, but also has massive top 10 equity at the price tag um, and is, in my opinion, probably about $1,000 too cheap. 
Yeah, I was going to say, Jeff, I'll give you some time to, to think while you think of your first pick coming up right now. But, you know, keep in mind this pricing came out before last week's tournament ended, right? So, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that knowing how Tony did, especially on Saturday and Sunday, that that price would be escalated. It probably still wouldn't be right. It's, you know, again, to Spencer's point, it probably is a thousand short. So maybe instead of, you know, it being 9,200, it would be like 8,900 or 8,800. Either way, it's a big time value because of a variety of things, including the fact that pricing came out super early. It's just certainly a great pick. Yeah, I, I think he'd probably most likely be somewhere in that range of uh, probably exactly where you said that Neiman, Cam Young, Brooks Kepka range, even though, I mean, you could have made him 9,400 and I probably wouldn't have batted an eye. I think That's this cool. is the exact conversation we had about him last week, right? Where it's like, yeah. you know, last week they had him up in the 9K range. We weren't really sure what to do with him. I think here down in the 8K range, uh, I'm pretty high on Fino as well. I adore him. I mean, you look at the recent results. Uh, I kind of like it was a second place betting loss for me last week that didn't even feel like one because you just sort of gave it to Rory. And then as I'm reading Rick, Rick Gaiman's feed this morning to see that Tony Finau by, you know, the deep math tournament uh, strokes uh, T to green performance would have won him 94 of the last hundred or something events that like finally made the second place you know, sting, like seeing a guy, you know, not hit a home run that would have left like all the ballparks, but one, yeah. uh, that was kind of annoying, but I love the pick. I hope he wins, uh, be another great week for the good guys. I guess I'm on the clock. On the I, clock. um, feel like, um, I'm popping my cherry at this and I don't want to like make a big mistake. And I feel like if, if I make this pick, I can recover any which way. And I don't think it's a mistake at all. But um, I'm going to take Sung J.M. He yeah. does everything for the most part that Spencer articulated so beautifully. He's $7,600, which kind of seems rid ridiculous. I'm sure he's going to be incredibly owned, but I don't know. I, I think he's like one of my top three favorite picks in the entire week in any kind of format from DFS to betting. So uh, as I'm a rookie at this draft format, this will allow me to make any other decision I want. I won't feel like I'll be left out on uh, as picks come back to me. I mean, guys, no question. This is a great pick, right? I, I don't know. I was going to say, I wasn't sure if C and Spencer would agree with me, but my strategy has always been start with value. So I am fully on board. I, I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah when I'm doing I... something right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when I mentioned that Finau was the second most mispriced player, Sung JM was the number one most mispriced player in my model. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's very, very clear. There's there's a lot of prices here. I think there's like four or five guys where you're like, okay, that number's wrong. And Sung Jae is the one that stands out the most among them, for sure. Yeah. See, Spencer, I find that surprising because I thought the guy I'm about to take would have been the most underpriced guy in your model. And that's Mito Pereira. Uh, Mito's been lights out. Um, you're getting him sub 8K. I think all three guys that we all took here are going to be three of my top five value plays of the week. So I think we all have a theme of who we like and where we want to start our picks for the week. But uh, on that same vein, I just think I'm getting a really good value in Mito, who's just been playing lights out over the last month or so. Um, and then the sub 8K range, I think, is a pretty safe floor for me. Yeah, he is uh, third for me. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I like I like Mito a lot. The the first model I ran, and and I'm this is the one I'm looking at like as we speak. He's actually first for me as well, but um, I'm not sure that's going to be like my final sort of metrics. But yeah, I mean Mito, a lot of these young guys are just like completely outperforming what we thought they would be able to do. Um, I'm stalling a little bit. So okay, so. It's the audience's pick now. Okay, so for those of you that are new, um, it's time to nominate. Uh, you know, one each person nominate one golfer at a time. We'll get one pick, and then we'll get to the other one. Um, the point is, I did want to point out something, and Spencer, I don't think it was addressed in your model, and honestly, it shouldn't have been. But there is a potential weather edge to the Thursday a.m. Friday p.m. crowd. I'm not saying that that's what the audience picks should be surrounding that. And I know most of you aren't looking at tee times necessarily, but um, I don't know if any of you all agree with me. I mean, it's maybe a little early in the game to make that determination on a Tuesday night. It does seem pretty favorable for that Thursday AM crowd though. Thoughts, anyone? I'm not a weather guy at the end of the day. Like, I mean, we saw Justin Thomas win at the PGA championship on the wrong end of the draw. I mean, you could make the argument that he probably should have won the Players' Championship if he wasn't on a completely wrong end of the draw there. But uh, sure, I, I mean, I, I know Stephen Pilardi was saying that it could be a half stroke, maybe three-fourths of a stroke of a difference. If you're trying to make a difference between two players, I certainly don't think that it hurts. But, you know, it's going to bake into ownership also. We are, uh, and I, I think that's a completely fair answer. We already have our two nominations. By the way, I'm, I'm kind of doing the math. I'm going up. I'm making sure this is right because I don't want to leave it to Joel. Uh, hashtag <laughs> Cam Smithgate. Hashtag Deckygate. Uh, it looks like Will Zalatoris is the first draftee and that Cam Young was the second. So Will Zalatoris and Cam Young on team audience slash Sia. And uh, that's what we got. Uh, let's see. Um, well, see, yeah, I, will, go ahead. I will reiterate, Sia, you don't have to – you get to make the pick. They just make the, the nominations, and then you get to decide. So it doesn't have to be two. No, I understand. I, I just kind of want to – I, I kind of want to give them free reign. Like, if I want to, like, exercise some sort of veto power because I absolutely hate a pick, I'll I'll, I'll take that up with the audience members. But, by the way, this, this chat is I, – I'm not going to be able to say, like, every single person's name here, but David's in here, Zach, Eric, Ivan – um, let's see. Courtney is in here. Carmen, Steven, of course, Brent is in here. Uh, we've got so many people commenting. This is really good stuff. So appreciate all the, uh, the Dr. Deep. I don't think I recognize that name. That's interesting. Um, Jeff, any of those two guys you're, you've got in your player pool here? Will's out horse Cameron Young? Yeah, I would say both of them, um, could factor pretty significantly in my player pool. Other than the fact that you worry about how popular, they could be um they're both very similar in the sense that it's the same ass for both i mean they're not just being asked to win their first pga event they're being asked to win their first major at the same time we did sort of these comps a month ago for the pga and i liked both but argued you know you were getting cameron at like such a is the same ask but there was such a discount on cameron discount long gone it it, it does um appear and the hardcore like corn fairy guys that i'm friends with that like really followed it in depth they're more amazed by cam young than anybody because he was never like this prolific iron player apparently on the corn fairy tour and that like having arrived and sticking uh, i mean it just has clearly changed everything in terms of his trajectory i guess i spoke more about it in a macro sense but i clearly love both players for 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 this uh for this week and both players as brent harris points out team wake forest they are deeks so uh 
we are going Atlantic 10 uh, on our team, at least for now. You guys are drafting a team with good team chemistry. So oh, not Atlantic 10, ACC. Sorry. Yes, ACC, yes. Um, I'm not sure how much team chemistry will help you in this type of a format, <laughs> but, but you will have it, so that's good. Uh, all right, I'm glad this guy felt bad. I considered him with my first pick. I'm sticking to my value theme here early on, uh, and I'm going to go with uh, Sam Burns. I think he's just been playing really good golf recently. Uh, and I think he's criminally underpriced here at 8,300. I would have been, you know, I wouldn't have bad an eye if he was in the 9K range. So, again, continuing that value theme, you know, part of my thought process for this draft, at least, is as long as I can get enough value guys in my lineup, the guys up top that I would pay up for, if I don't get the one I like, there's still a really good golfer that will fall to me. So, I want to make sure I get the value guys I like first. Hey, Spencer, I want to get your thoughts on Sam Burns this week. But uh, real quick, because we have so many people in here, definitely hit the like button right now. If you're on YouTube, some people, you might have to pull the chat down and then pull it back up after you hit the like button. But everybody, uh, real quick, hit the like button. We'd appreciate it. Uh, Spencer, your thoughts on Sam Burns at the U.S. Open? So if I didn't take Tony Finau with my number one pick, it probably would have been Sam Burns. I was hoping he was going to fall to me. Uh, I just love the form that he's bringing into the week. We've seen him play difficult courses well. You know, he's one of the only players, at least on the elite end of things, that brings in a kind of a complete game. We know he's a great putter. That's not something that can be said about all of these guys at the top. And I think there's a lot of win equity for him, especially at an $8,300 price tag. Yeah, that price definitely certainly jumps out at you. Jeff, I, I stalled long enough for you here. What do we think? Your your second pick here after Sung J.M. is... So I'm going to go up the board um, a bit, and I can't resist the value, and I don't care about major narrative. I'm taking Patrick Cantley, uh, second place, third place in his last stroke events, that 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 team win. I'm willing to ignore the PGA Championship. He's won a memorial, and we're, we're fine. Uh, boring golfer, perfect for this layout, 9,200. He's had major problems, but U.S. Open cuts are ones he's pretty consistent at making, so I'm not worried about a total cluster expletive in, at this moment. Yeah, I, I don't mind that pick at all. I mean, he, I mean, listen, I, I don't like – listen, I love the narrative game, right, at the first cut pod. We, we do that sort of segment, which, Spencer, thanks for participating in that. Your um, Boston Tea Party narrative was actually pretty great. Uh, with that said, I, I agree with Jeff. I'm not really worried about the majors thing. I do love how, how he is with the short game. When you look at sand saves, when you look at just general around the green, like let's say last 24 rounds, looks good. He's good off the tee. Generally keeps it in the fairway pretty well. Um, I think it's certainly a good value. I, I don't know for me. I don't know if he's in my pool yet, to be honest with you. Um, I think there's some pivots in that range I like. Not pivots, but coming off Cantlay. Um, Joel or Spencer, just real quick, can, can you tell me, is Cantlay in the pool for you guys? He's in the low end of my pool. I will have him. I will, I'm not going to completely fade him, but I'm not going to be overexposed. I do have concerns with uh, his overall more recent form, but, you know, the last one he played really well. So is he turning a corner back to the good side? We know there's two Cantleys, right? He's like two-faced. Like when he's on, he'll go months at a time with being one of the best players on tour. When he's off, he's really not very good. And I think I'm not sure where he is right now. He's He was on that negative side for a while, but the last couple of weeks, maybe he's turned that corner again. Yeah, so I, I run my model in a bunch of different ways. So uh, he does have a negative trajectory when I'm looking for upside over the past 24 rounds, but I really like Patrick Cantlay for GPPs this week. I think he's kind of the target that you're you're wanting to find. He's sub 
He has win equity that you, you, I mean, when we look at this range and I don't want to mention too many players, but like, even if you just take some of the players beneath them and some of the players above him, it's hard for me to say can't lay maybe doesn't have the best win equity of anybody of those like six or seven players. And Spencer, to your point, like he, he had a potential sort of chalk issue with his first pick and he's offsetting that right off the bat with Patrick Cantlay. So I, I actually think that's a really smart, like if you're going to build with Sung Jae, make sure you get different in a couple places, whether that's with your roster construction, leaving money on the table or, you know, picking a guy like Patrick Cantlay, who's going to definitely be sub 10% on. So uh, I love that Spencer. It's on you, bud. All right, so this, the first player I'm going to take is probably my favorite golfer on this board. Um, I was hoping he was going to fall to me. I just didn't think that I needed to take him number one, and that is Aaron Wise at 7,800. I have used this example multiple times this week, but Wise isn't that much different than Amito Pereira, who was one tee shot and 18 away from capturing the PJ Championship. And I know the natural answer to that would be that he didn't win. But if we look at a golfer like Gary Woodland at the 2019 U.S. Open or Keegan Bradley at the PGA Championship in 2021, I think there's similar golfers at this point of their careers entering this stage. I don't think it's inconceivable that we see Wise accomplish a similar outcome and turn his whole career around in one week. And um, he is also the number one player in my model when looking in GIR percentage plus long iron proximity. That's something that's going to matter this week. And with Joel putting me in a bit of a precarious pr position here. Um, well, do you guys want to give any opinions on Wise? And let me figure out a choice here. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I personally like Wise. I, I don't, you know, I haven't made a lot of my lineups yet. I've made some and Wise hasn't made it in there. But certainly that's a pretty convincing argument. And to the extent you're worried about the putter, I don't think it's quite as big of a worry here at the U.S. Open uh, it, versus some of the other platforms where it's just it's just not going to be a good tournament for Aaron Wise. So, no, I like it. I think the Mito comp is interesting. I, I think uh, Aaron Wise is a really uh, a good value play. So, I, with sorry, Joel, continue. I was only going to say Wise has me in a pickle this week because if he putts like he did the last two tournaments, I mean, he's one of the best picks I think there is, but – you know, it's hard to predict if he can find that which putter you're going to get with wise. If you get the good one, then yeah, I think he's a great fit. With my second selection, I was not planning to go down this route. I really was hoping this was going to be Sam Burns for me, but uh, I'm going to take Matthew Fitzpatrick at 8,500. I love the weighted T to green numbers I have, whether you run it through a two-year sample size with just a generic form of it, or you want to look at it weighted over the last 24 rounds. He's inside the top 15 there. He's another guy that we know plays difficult courses. Well, any single time that you get closer to even par, this is more of a tournament than he can win than, you know, the 20 under par shootouts. And, um, you know, I think he's going to be an intriguing, I don't want to say pivot because he's going to be popular at probably 14 or 15%. But, you know, there's a lot of guys down in that range to consider. And Fitzpatrick's form of weighted around the green, Sansei, bogey avoidance, fifth in my model for that. Yeah, I mean, I, it's impossible to argue with that pick. So I, I'm, I'm good with it. I love the pick. I mean, he's one of my favorite players in the field this week. You're getting a good value on him. I think it's a great pick. Yeah, and, and you know, he's kind of chalky, but there's a lot of guys in the 8K range that are just going to be chalky. Like, the good news about the chalk in the 8K range is that it's like kind of, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's kind of flat in the sense that there's not yeah, somebody yeah. that's like super spiking. So you're not like crushing yourself by taking any, I mean, almost the entire 8K range is is really, really great. And we'll probably have some some ownership associated with it. Yep, I agree. 
Jeff, it is already back to you. You've started with Sung JM. You, uh, up, you uh, upgraded from, from a price standpoint a little bit with Patrick Cantley. And now what do we do? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Sorry about that, boys. I had a crying child and a flickering internet. Apologies. Oh. I'm I'm uh, very familiar with both of those predicaments. Um, so it is on you. You, you had Sungjae and then Patrick Cantlay. So it's it's up it's up for your third pick. Yeah. So back to me, and there are still like options I'm intrigued about at filling this sit thing up with. But I'm gonna go try to take another stab at value, so I don't lose out on that. Um, while my team is gonna be pretty popular, I'm thinking my pivots might be closer at the top. Give me Davis Riley, just sort yeah. of following, um, you know, the mold of a lot of, of these young players, but a very, a very sound player across, across the board, uh, you know, very consistent. I do worry a bit about the around the green that could develop into a weakness, but just his ability to be so consistent is something I'm going to buy in at at 7,300. How about consistent? with like upside each time i mean let's go over his last seven six tournaments 13th fourth 13th ninth fifth fourth one of those was the zurich that was one of the fourth place finishes but that's incredibly impressive i i, I haven't like looked at this but that's got to be the best track record over a, a, a six tournament span of anybody uh, in this field i just i mean just averaging that out and i, I just think that's that's got to be the best player it's very Shane Lowry-esque I guess who gets all the credit for being the best player without a win this year right and the value is tremendous so uh I assume Joel and Spencer Davis Riley is in your pool as well yeah I think he's just too underpriced for how hot he is I mean the way he's been playing over, and it's not just been two weeks I mean it's been now over a month uh yeah. to be at 7300 is, is just too low it's hard to it's hard to ignore him this week yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously hard to argue against a price tag at 7300 I guess my biggest concern would be that I the way I run my model is I'm trying to experience, and I was telling Joel this, like I'm trying to experience regression before it takes place on some of these players. And it's an unfair statement to make because I don't know what the regression exactly looks like for Davis Riley. We don't have enough uh, of a form from him, of a long-term form to take that with. But that would be my only concern is that he's 12% and... You know, I don't know when the brakes fall off or if the brakes fall off. Well, that's the interesting point when it comes to Davis Riley, Cameron Young, Mito Pereira. It's like we could have said we could have made that statement three weeks ago because because by then yeah. three weeks ago, they were already performing really well over a decent sample size. And it keeps like the truck keeps kind of just speeding along. It's it's pretty crazy. No, I, I agree with you, though. They're, they're, the bottom might fall out for some of these guys. And, and if, of the three I mentioned. I guess it would probably be more likely Davis Riley than anybody else, but the value with the upside, it, you know, it certainly makes sense. Riley and Sung JM were probably the guys when I first looked on Monday morning where I was like, Oh, that is like a pretty gross underprice. Yeah. And you know, Jeff has him on his team and, and I, let's see, we have somebody in here. Oh, Ivan, very complimentary. So Jeff, if you're, if you're feeling, um, uneasy about your picks, uh, fear nothing because, uh, the audience loves your picks and uh, I think this team is going to do quite well. Joel, it's on you. I'm laughing because someone in the audience put out a player I'm going to take. I was going to take this person before you said anything. Uh, but here we go. Purposes, you shouldn't put your picks in while I am on the clock. That is your own mistake. But I am going to take Max Homa. Uh, and not just I was going to take Max Homa regardless of tea time. I mean, at 8,100, 
the way Max Homo's been playing, especially over the last month. This is just a really good value and a guy with a lot of upside uh, in my lineup. Yeah, Eric, you might be a little new, uh, Mr. Perez. So uh, we usually, <laughs> that's funny. He's like mad at himself now. Um, <laughs> we usually wait until it's actually our turn to start nominating so that people like myself, apparently I'm the big uh, stealing culprit, but apparently it's also Joel. So um, it's it's off me for right now. But yeah, wait until Joel makes his pick and then you can start nominating like people are uh, right now. Oh, Eric is coach. Sorry, oh. coach. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right. Coach, come on, man. You got to know the rules here, buddy. Uh, all right, we can start nominating for um, – any thoughts, Jeff, on Max Homo, by the way? Uh, it seems – I regret, like, you know, just there were 100 to ones to win the tournament that I remember staring at months ago that I didn't take. I don't know. He just seems like – I'm still waiting for – you know, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop, kind of, uh, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be happening. And I don't know, it seems like an ideal fit for the week and what's being asked of, of the players. I'm not besmirching the pick at all in that regard. I just, I don't know, easy to cheer for, but a guy I never roster, and I've been wrong more than I've been right. Fair enough. All right, we have nominations coming in. I've ignored anything that came before uh, Joel's pick, just so you know. Um, And it looks like Corey Connors is one of our two selections. And we're still waiting on a second uh, for our fourth selection. We've got four or five nominations, but nobody has been seconded yet. David Bolesky has joined the team here. He says, good evening to everybody. We need, no, we still don't have, we have like six or seven players nominated. But none of them have been seconded yet. Rose. Okay, Justin Rose. Let me just make sure he wasn't the one. Okay, yeah. Danny and Eric, a.k.a. Coach, have nominated Justin Rose at 7,100. So we can stop nominating now. Oh, and the Dr. Deep apparently also likes Rose. How much do we have left so we can we know going into our last two picks? 84.50 per spot. Okay, gotcha. So audience, kind of think of what you want to do with that. Do you want to go high and kind of low? I wouldn't recommend going into the 6K range, but there's definitely some guys in that low 7K range that I really like. So you could flirt with the idea of taking one of them and then taking a high-powered guy. But um, consider that while we go to Joel's pick. I'm going to say here, I'm just really, really happy with how this draft has broken for me. Really, all the guys that I – most of the guys that I wanted have fallen to me, which I'm super stoked about. And you, another You've one, stolen two of mine so far, so I'm wow. happy it's going well for you. <laughs> I'm going to go with Daniel Berger. I am oh. living in make, this low make it three. 8K range. <laughs> um, these guys have, in this low 8K range with upside, I think they're just such a great fit for these major pricing. So to be able to load up and up here and still have plenty of salary left to go up top, I'm super happy about it. Yeah, I, that, that's great value. I, I loved him at the Memorial. I played him in almost every lineup, and he T5'd. I mean, the, the problem with him, allegedly, was the putter. And he was having a problem with the putter. But prior to the Memorial, he had bounced back. He had actually gained with the putter two out of four rounds, even though if you looked at it globally, it looked like he lost a ton with the putter. So I do like I do like Daniel Berger. He's going to be good around the green, and he's going to keep it in the fairway. Approach should be pretty good. I think he's a great value. I By the way – Say it again, Jeff. I, I would have picked him, so he wasn't even getting dispensed. Would have been a nice way to kick the bigger decision down the road a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I missed it. Joel, speaking of missing it, I, I do want to alert you to something. 
Um, I have been uh, scrolling the chat. So when David came into the chat, I looked at him and I was trying to put his comment up and I got distracted from the fact that he'd actually nominated Roy. So had Brent Harris. So I'm just saying we don't have to go back necessarily, but technically I, I can verify now that Roy McElroy was nominated right before Eric, AKA coach put that second nomination in for Justin Rose. So if we want to be technically accurate, and if we don't want to commit another gate scenario, it truly was Rory, Rory McElroy and not Justin Rose as our uh, our fourth pick. How do you want to handle that, sir? All I'm going to say is, of course, the SIA and audience team has a controversy <laughs> behind them. And they're going to put it on me to make the decision. Of course, that's what happened. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to get it right. And we have to, here's, here's the thing. And by the way, I hope everybody's already hit the like button, but we have so many people piping in that, that like the scroll's going so fast, it's kind of hard to keep up. But I am super focused on, I blame David, our, our Wind Daily Sports uh, uh, contributor and writer. Uh, he came in kind of like out of nowhere and it distracted me. Uh, so audience, I think you have your uh, villain here and it's David Bolesky, aka um, at Deep Dive Golf on Twitter. I'm just saying. So, Joel, how do you want to handle it? Uh, I'm okay with the Rory pick if if it, if it was actually first in the chat. And that's it, it was. I can 100% uh, get behind that. And actually, I kind of like Rory as a pick. So, uh, I'd prefer that change if you could go back, sir. I and will Jeff, convenient. I know, I know. I will add this. Had I picked Rory, I wouldn't have given him back. Of course not. Back then it's fine. No, see, that's the thing. If somehow, like, you know, Justin Rose, like, made a difference or Roy made a difference, we wouldn't have gone back. But this truly ha was how uh, it actually went. So um, we've got Roy for us, uh, which leaves us uh, not a ton of money left. So we're going to have to be really creative. Then Daniel Berger, and now it's back on Jeff. Okay, so who just – who went back into the player pool? Just Justin, uh, Justin Rose. Rose. Okay. Doesn't really change anything, although I am going in that direct price range, uh, going close for uh, value again, kicking big decisions. Did he freeze on He's us? the type of oh, guy. We, go. we got it. Sorry about that, guys. No, no, uh, we Gary can hear Woodland. You. Gary Woodland. Um, uh, Gary Woodland for me here. Could have been Rose, but I'm going with Woodland. It's just sort of that green across the board and a, and a trust that I do have in Gary that's the deciding factor, and I'm kicking a bigger decision, I guess, down the road again. Yeah, strong pick. Um, I don't know that he's in my player pool, but I, I can't figure Gary Woodland out. That's why. There's certain guys I just can't figure them out. Spencer, what are your thoughts on Woodland this week? Um. I mean, he's a very, very slight value when I run it for upside in a GPP sense. Like at sub 5%, we know that he can win a U.S. Open. Like I have no issues with it. Fair enough. Joel, what are your thoughts? I don't love Woodland this week. He's probably not uh, going to be too heavily in, in my player pool but just because I feel like I can find other value. I do think he is a, a good value play for someone looking to get different, uh, but, but probably not going to be uh, in my pool. Wow, I think that's very disrespectful to our guest, Jeff Feinberg. <laughs> you have to like and agree with everything he picks, please. Thank you. We want him back on the show. Uh, Spencer, you got two picks. And by the way, I love like, so now there's a there's a side controversy brewing about, hey, we should have kept Justin Rose because now we're saddled with 67.50. However, David has chimed in saying he actually likes some 6K guys. And if I know anything about David, he knows a lot of these Euro Tour players that we don't pay much attention to. Of course, for those of you that aren't subscribers to Wind Daily Sports, he does his World Tour write-up 
pretty much every week when there's a world tour event and his PGA tour right up as well. So he is completely dialed in on both fronts. So I have a feeling that we should let David lead with our next guy, our next audience guy. And then once he does that, somebody can maybe second it if they like it. And then we'll see how much we have left for our last pick. Just a suggestion from um, your ambassador, Sienna Jad. Okay, Spencer, you got two picks coming up. So this board has broken horribly bad for me. This is not what I was envisioning when I started this. But the first guy I will take is somebody that I did want to have in my build. Uh, that will be Harold Varner the third at 7,300. If we just use a statistical fit and looked at nothing more, Varner ranks as the third best uh, value I have on this board, or I guess the fourth best value that I have on this board uh, behind Mito being third. There are going to be red flags that come into play because of the volatility and random implosions that take place. But he places 21st overall in my model over the past two years, and we see him jump to an impressive 13th when running this for upside over the last 24 rounds. So Varner will be first for me. Um, the second play is going to lock me into a corner, no matter kind of what I do here. Cause there's not that many options I like left on the board, but I'm going to take Hideki Matsuyama at 9,100. I think that's one of my ways I can get unique this week. You know, I don't think the improper marking on the club that disqualified him at the Memorial should take away what he's accomplished this past season. He's won two of his last 10 completed tournaments. And the five consecutive top 26 finishes at the U.S. Open should only heighten the intrigue on a golfer that the public does seem to be ignoring. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, by the way, revenge narrative for Decky. His, his, his valor and honor were tarnished. Uh, and uh, maybe he comes out and just, uh, just crushes it for everybody. But I wanted to ask you, because it didn't look like the betting market was really respecting Hideki. But Spencer, you would be the person to ask on that. How's the betting market gauging uh, Hideki's chances? Uh, it does not like him from what I have seen. You're correct on that. He's an underdog in pretty much every single matchup that I can find. Um, you know, he's drifting in the wrong direction when it comes to outright odds. But it's just one of those spots where I'm going to trust my model this week. I, I have a value on him in pretty much every way that I ran it. And I like the course history and I like that he's going to be around 10%. Yeah, all makes sense. I heard whispers that HB3 was considering uh, the live tour. FYI, I just kind of want to throw a salacious fact out there. You put, you guys probably already know that, but I don't know if he's actually going to do it, but that, that was my understanding. He signed, uh, he was part of a Abe answer. Will Zalatoris like sponsorship deal with like PGA and FanDuel today. So, Oh, okay. weird timing. If he does have a, 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 a exit plan, um, I'm sure the Saudis would help him rip anything up. He wanted <laughs> if, uh, it came to that, but yeah, like you, I've heard those rumors. Also, I think Hideki is the most disrespected elite, and you could say that yeah. from dis from DK. You could say that from betting. I've seen like forty fives to one. Not like I'm running to make that bet, but thought about it. But clearly, feels like the most disrespected um, elite, and I like that Hideki and honor uh, angle. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think. Both both solid picks there. So Jeff, you got two players left to pick, but you only need to pick one of them now. Where are you headed? So I am going as close to the top as I'm gonna get. I'm taking my big swing right here, and I'll worry about what I'm left with when on the comeback. Going for back to back U.S. Open champions uh, championships. Give me John Rom, boys. Uh, yeah. I believe he's as good as anybody in this field. I know the wind has blowing towards some others, 
but it's a U.S. Open, and I'm I'm as beholden to him for a U.S. Open as I felt I was with DJ probably from like 2014 through 18. I'm in a ROM window. I don't care what the others are doing. I really like John Rom this week. So he has been, you know, you can criticize him, especially for the around the green game over the last few months, but but that has really picked up lately. Like three out of the four last, um, three out of the last four tournaments, I, I know he's picked it up quite a bit. And then, you know, he's been a little erratic off the tee and on approach where like, like, you just don't know, like, it's just like one tournament, but you don't normally see that from John Rahm. But it seems like this is the perfect time to take him. He's He's got the around the green game. He's harnessed that back in because historically he's always been great around the green. So that like little hiccup was just that. And we know the ball striking is great and we know he's being overlooked. Like it's one thing if you don't want to bet him outright, like I get that. But in DFS, um, Spencer, I kind of want to defer to you on the on the ownership real quick, but I would imagine, you know, you've got your your Rory's that are up there and I'm talking like the 10 K range and above you got your Rory's that are up there. And then I, I got to think John Rahm's four or five percentage points lower than him. Right. Yeah. I see him at 4.9% lower than Rory right now. So it goes Rory Thomas. Um, I mean, technically my model has Scheffler at a higher percentage than Rom. I don't know if that's going to be what ends up taking place. I, I do think that those two players will likely be two of your you know, contrarian pivots in this range. Um, but yeah, I mean, John Rom, Rory, Thomas Scheffler, they're the elites of the elite. Yeah. Joel, what are your thoughts on John Rom? Listen, I, you can never go wrong with John Rom. I mean, John Rom is the most elite skill set of golfers. Um, and I think the fact that you can get a bit of an ownership edge up there at the top by playing him is, it's a really solid pick. Yep. All right, Joel, speaking of solid picks, you got two more to make, and here comes one of them. So I'm struggling right now with, you know, what route to go in terms of I have two picks left, so where I'm going to start. And I've, I've settled on, uh, I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley here. Uh, Xander Shoffley has, you know, every time he's played the U.S. Open, he's top 10. It feels like a safer pick for the for the upper tier. Um, I do think he has some win up Cody as well. You know, obviously, if you can top 10 that many times, you can win up right. so. Uh, with Xander here, it leaves me still enough salary to get uh, what I'm hoping for on the comeback. Joel's lineup is everything that I envisioned my lineup being going into today. <laughs> I, I love the pick. Thank you. That really is a great lineup, though. It, it, I mean, that, those are all like how much, how much do you have left, Joel? Is that say 78? Yeah. So, I mean, and you're going to get a really good guy at 7,800 or below. Like th- these are, these are all guys that I could absolutely envisioning top tening this tournament. I mean, yeah. I don't think they're, you know, I'm not saying they're all going to top 10. I'm just saying like, it's not a tough argument to be like Daniel Berger is going to top 10. Max home is going to finish top 10. Xander's going to win. Sam Burns is going to win. Like none of those are, are tough arguments, which kind of speaks to what happens at majors, right? You have this, this sort of like what is perceived as soft pricing. Cause you have so many superstars all the way down to like, the 8,000 flat range. It's, um, you've done a great job. So I, audience. Oh, go by, ahead. No, by the way, I like, I would have liked all of these players, but like an ideal build, build for me would have been Xander, like with the situation I was in right now, would have been Xander plus Berger, Xander plus Homa, Xander plus Burns. It just so happens that Joel has every single one of the players on mm-hmm. his team, but uh, you know, Burns, Homa, Xander, those were three guys I definitely wanted this week. So I know we're only five picks in. I'm curious to see how Joel wraps this up, but that's probably my favorite lineup so far. Well, we have our nomination for, I guess, our low guy. 
And it's uh, Ryan Fox. I know I know David is pretty fond of Ryan Fox, so this isn't a huge surprise. I hadn't looked at him too much. I mean, we don't have a lot of data to go on when it comes to him, at least on the PGA Tour we don't. But I know David's super tied into the World Tour where Ryan usually showcases his skills. Um, I can say that when he played the PGA Championship, he was pretty good. Finished 54th. He gained almost six strokes on approach, which is really saying something. He did lose around three around the green. So if that's a trend for him, it might not be a, a good showing. But Again, we have to dip down to the 6K range because we went with the proper pick, which was Rory McIlroy in terms of who was nominated. So now we have Ryan Fox with 6,800 to go. So who do we got audience to nominate that is 6,800 or below? We have at least one nomination in. And David is talking a little bit more about Ryan Fox here, I believe. Huge off the tee, ranks fourth strokes gained approach, weighted to this field, 17th entering third round of PGA Championship. Those are all very great stats. So we got Wyndham Clark nomination. Uh, Denny McCarthy has been nominated. Matthew Naismith has been nominated. We need a second for any of those guys or new nominations. And Steven says, Joel, you just picked the winner with the winner, referring to Xander, of course. Um, do we have a second nomination for either Naismith, Wyndham Clark, or we got Guido Migliozzi, uh, McCarthy? We need a second from somebody. Or I could just pick it. Um, Denny. Still Kurt Kitayama. Nobody's backing anybody else. Let me let me Denny. Have... Oh, did Denny get picked twice? Well, McCarthy, oh, you're right. McCarthy and Denny. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Brent and Coach um have nominated Denny McCarthy. So that rounds out our team. Any any thoughts on Denny McCarthy? Like I just haven't dipped to the 6K range when I've built lineups. So I don't really have much by way of thoughts. I think Denny is a fine pick. Um any of you Spencer, where does he rate out from a safety and upside standpoint? Um he is – I mean, the problem is, I guess the first thing is when we enter the $6,000 range, there are very few golfers in my model that are grading yeah. with much upside. I guess the one player for me or I guess probably the one player would be Kurt Kitayama. So everybody else is mostly negative values. McCarthy's probably one of the better values when you dip down into that range. But I don't know. I'm trying to avoid the 6,000s if I can. Yeah. I mean, in, in all fairness, we probably made a misstep by having so many high flying guys because there are so many good guys in the low 7K range, whether it's 7K flat or, you know, in that 7 to 7,400, 7,500 range that are like really good that I think are going to do really well in this tournament. So I think our mistake ended up being, I mean, it's not Rory per se, but it was, you know, going Zalatoris, Young, Connors, Rory, that doesn't leave us much room. This tournament, I don't think you want to flirt with the 6K range much. I, I totally agree with you with you there. I mean, if I had to go down, I, I'm fine with those picks. Like, those are guys I would go to, but I think my preference would be to avoid the 6K range altogether. Right. Um, all right, I'm going to wrap this wrap off by taking Tommy Fleetwood. So Tommy Fleetwood's a guy okay. I do like this week. I will be honest in saying he wouldn't have been my first choice in this range. There's other guys that were already drafted that I probably would have preferred. However, Tommy Fleetwood's in my player pool. He tends to rise to the occasion in these majors. He has been playing very well, so... I think especially in a smaller tournament, you know, if I only have to beat U4, um, I like Fleetwood as my round out of this roster. All right. Feinberg, one more pick for you, sir. I'm a Fleetwood stan. You just made me not have to pick him, so that's fine. <laughs> Feels like I'm going to be the first person to jump into an actual live player who's played in live, but I'm going to take Louie. Here, it's between Louie, Answer, Fleetwood. Uh, you know, I think they all could have some upside. 
But yeah, Louis consistency, U.S. Open. Just I, if I mean, if he's typical U.S. Louis U.S. Open, that'd be the biggest win on the board. But just be you know, just generic, straight golfer who's been a great scrambler, and I'll be happy. I I like Louis quite a bit. So what's really interesting, and I, I saw this yesterday. I don't think it's changed. Louis's odds to win are the same as Sungjae's odds, are the same as Hideki's odds. And, and that's not necessarily a slight on Hideki. It's just telling you, I think, that the betting market really respects these guys that are you know, in the high 7Ks to have the same type of win equity as some of these guys that we think are you know, nearly dominant players on the PGA Tour. I mean, nobody's dominant on the PGA Tour, but you know what I mean. So um, I, I like the pick. What about you guys? Yeah, I, I like the selection also. We know Louis in majors, he's always... I mean, you know, if you look at the U.S. Open results, second in 2021, third in 2020, seventh in 2019, that pretty much speaks for itself. Hey, Jeff, before Spencer uh, closes out the draft, and then, by the way, for those of you that don't know, I'm sure everybody does, we're going to have some outrights and first-round leaders uh, to close the show. But um, there's obviously some some watchers here that are fans of yours. Jeff is disappointed he didn't get Tommy, I bet. And then we have some other comments from Jesse, for example. <laughs> just broke Jeff's heart with that pick. Um you have so many, you have so much content that you do every week. Can you just kind of tell us like where you're at? Not, not necessarily every day in the times necessarily, but I know you do stuff for, you know, Pat Mayo and odds checker and uh, various other sites. Can you just let us know where we can find your content? Uh, yeah. So Mondays I'm, I'm, uh, do my show with, uh, Pat early. I do a video for odds checker that comes out each week. And then recently I started doing a Tuesday morning live show for the guys, uh, at bet spurts. So yeah, I guess Mondays through Wednesdays, like a lot of people in golf, you kind of see a lot of me and then it's just my annoying tweets for the rest of the week. Although this week we'll be doing a cut sweat because it is a major. Um, and that'll be, that'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Where can we find the cut sweat? That'll be, It'll be on YouTube, but for the first time, I think we're just bringing it to Twitter spaces to make it way more interactive and easy, and no one wants a video of us anyway. Just just if you like, can hop in and out when something like silly happens or when you see that you know Fleetwood just made a triple, you can like go to the space to see me freaking out about it. Okay, so th- th- like honestly, there's there's nobody I would want to do a cut sweat sh- show more than Jeff Feinberg and whoever he's doing it with. Which he didn't tell us what platform is it on. Like, is it is it the PME? Like, what what? Um... Yeah, yeah, it's just with uh, Pat okay. and Tim, and you know, it's just boring. Like, we're wa- just watching the golf, so it can go into any direction. You know, me and Tim can talk fast food. Well, Pat can yell at Tim about something else. Like, who knows how where those things go especially if the cut is anticlimactic you know that happens sometimes as well it's reality i love it all right spencer you close us out what do you got so none of us did this but i do think it's an interesting thing to point out i like in this tournament leaving a bunch of money on the table like nick brettwish and i talked about this on better golf he was saying that he's fine leaving up to fifteen hundred dollars I'm probably more or less, I'd probably be more in the twelve or $1,300 range, depending on exactly how you build it. I would have liked to have wrapped this up with Sam Burns, leave, you know, $800 on the table, call it a day there. But with that not coming into play for me, I mean, it's really one of two choices, I guess. It's either Shane Lowry at 9,000 or Joaquin Neiman at 8,900. 
I'm not necessarily rushing to put either one of those two players into my player pool. I, I think both at 16 and 17%. That's asking for a lot with what we're getting, but give me Shane Lowry just because of the current form that he's bringing into the week. His weighted proximity numbers have him inside the top five of my model. And I'm just going to hope that the form continues with him. I like it. That certainly makes sense. I mean, Lowry's been striking it better than pretty much anybody on tour this calendar year. I mean, yeah. um, there's, there's, he's in the, he's certainly in the top, you know, few that have just been doing everything pretty great. So, and it, uh, what, what's his ownership percentage Spencer tracking at? I see him at 17.8% right now. Oh, wow. That's actually a little higher than I thought it was going to be. Kind of tells too, you that there's, go ahead. No, it's too high in my opinion. Wow. I, I knew he'd be popular, but I didn't think he'd be that popular. Interesting. Yeah, I do agree. I think that that ownership percentage is a little little too high. But I like Lowry a lot. He's been playing really well. I think he could have a really good week. I would have probably taken Lowry as one of my final picks there, but the way the Chalvies worked out, it didn't work. But So I think it's a really solid pick there. Um, hey, guys, please let us know your thoughts. Who do you think is the best team? It's obvious we know, but please send a reminder to everyone. Hit the like button. Give us a follow. It goes a long way. We super appreciate it. You guys, the audience, are the lifeblood of this show. You guys want to make this work so well. We appreciate you. Um, and anything you guys give back to us, like hitting a like button, goes a really, really long way. Now, before we wrap up tonight, uh, the audience had a great idea a few weeks ago. We will go through who is the biggest surprise that did not get drafted this week. See, who do you think? So I saw some names in the chat, which I agree with. I, you know, I'm going to put out a name that, that I kind of like. That, you know, it's not going to be the biggest surprise to anybody, but I, I want this name to be heard on this show. And it's Brian Harmon at 7,000. When I kept saying that there's guys in the low sevens that, that I, I really think, you know, that's as far as you should go. Siwoo Kim is one of them. And Brian Harmon is another one of them. I, I think Brian Harmon on, on U.S. Open tracks, again, this is a different course, but on U.S. Open tracks is actually surprisingly good. And the fact that this is a slightly shorter course than what we normally see on a U.S. Open only stands to benefit Brian Harmon, who's going to keep it in the fairway. He's going to have a really good short game. So I just think um, that's a guy that if you have to go down that low, and, and a lot of times you will and you should, I think Brian Harmon is a guy to pick. I made that same exact argument that you just made, CSO. He has four top 38 finishes at the U.S. Open during his last four attempts. And a lot of those showings have come at venues where his lack of distance should have likely been a larger deterrent than he will experience this week at Brookline. I, I like him. I bet him to come top 40 at plus 165. That number's moved 20 points since then. But mm -hmm. I, I think Harmon's a very good play this week. I always like Harmon as a value, and I'm totally aligned for, with him this week at 7K. Um I do want to just the same sentiment you had. I do want to mention JT. I think he's playing great. The fact that, you know, we didn't draft him. I think it's more of a salary budgeting thing, but his form is really good. And a lower tier guy I want to mention, I'm surprised he didn't get drafted, is Webb Simpson, who I think is starting to turn a corner from his injury. He's playing better uh, in the lower 7K range. I think he's a good value this week as well. That's probably just because I'm on this show. You expect me to take Webb Simpson. It's a shock anytime <laughs> he makes it out of a draft. <laughs> Web Web might be featured in in the close of our show. I'm just throwing that out there. By the way, a lot of people are saying uh, Spieth as well, which makes sense. Jeff, anybody that you're surprised that didn't get drafted, or did I just uh, maybe Neiman, who was talked about yeah. to the end? I probably would have gone with Spieth, but the chat took him. And I guess in just like the little orbit I'm in, uh, there's so much love for Keegan that maybe I'm surprised he didn't go here. Uh, someone talking about his Northeast narrative and, you know, just mm. being fine with what, you know, the scoring will be um, this week. So, yeah. Okay. 
How about you, Spence? Yeah, I'd probably go with Neiman and Justin Thomas. I love it. I love it. That's a wrap on the draft side. Uh, We aren't done yet. We're going to quickly give you our first-round leaders and outright numbers before we wrap up this week. Uh, We'll start in the outright market this week. Sia, why don't you kick us off? Who do you like in the outright market? Yeah, so like the last few weeks, I'm not going to give five players because I I just I don't want to give you just a bunch of guys with shorter odds. I, I do think probably the, the the top 30 guys here are probably the ones that are are really in contention to win over four rounds. So I'm just going to give a few names, a couple of them kind of ridiculous to win, and I just want to emphasize the fact that just like a couple weeks ago when we hit on Sam Burns at 85 to one, that that is another way to do this. So if you have a certain budget allocated towards actual outright bets then maybe save some of that for the live plays because i think that's way more fruitful these days um with that said i'll give you three jordan spieth at uh, plus 2800 um that number varies wherever you go but that that 2800 is on DraftKings right now i think that's a really good number because i think i've seen it at 22 to 1 in other places and certainly shorter than 28 so i like that and the sort of the two long bombs davis riley at 80 to 1 plus 8000 however you want to say that I, again do i actually think he's going to win in this field no, but I can't ignore the last six finishing positions. I just can't. So when I see 80 to one and I see this guy is like an emerging talent that in three or four weeks we might be talking about in the same ilk as Cameron Young and Mito Pereira. I think we're almost there, but we're not quite there with him yet. I think 80 to one is fair if things just everything breaks right. And then the other guy, we just mentioned him, Webb Simpson. Listen, he's got, he's got, he's looking spry. He's got a certain like, he, he's got a certain way about him that feel, like feels to me like he's shaken off all his injuries from last year and that he's actually got his form back. So, and again, because this is a slightly shorter track, which I, I think the longer players are definitely going to have an advantage, but I think it's possible for some of these shorter guys to play just fine and contend. And Webb Simpson at 110 to one. Listen, if he was 60 to one, I wouldn't even look at that number, but 110 to one on DraftKings. And I think at a lot of places, I just can't ignore that. Listen, I'm not saying I'm going to put the, the mortgage on that one. Obviously, I save that for the first round leaders because those are bona fide locks every week. But uh, Web at 110 to 1, I think, is worth taking a look at. I love it. I love it. How about you, Spence? Yeah, this outright card is going to sound gross on the surface, but Harold Burner, the third, 100 to 1. Patrick Cantley, 30 to 1. That's from a collection of Cantley tickets that I placed last year. Max Homa, 66 to 1. Aaron Wise, 100 to 1. And then as Sia said, I'm saving my bullets to attack this card either mid-event or if we can get an overcorrection on someone. Maybe like Sam Burns or Finau before Thursday. I uh, Jeff brought this up at 45 to 1 on Hideki. If you could get me a 50 to 1 on him, I might jump and bet him there. But the top of the board is a little too jumbled for me right now to want to lock in the final exposure. I think you can save some of those units and, and allocate those funds a little bit better. I love it. I love it. I got three plays that I like for this week. Uh, I'm going to go with Cameron Young at 50 to 1. I like Mito Pereira at 45 to 1. And my uh, more realistic play up top, I like Will Zalatoris at 30 to 1. How about you, Jeff? You got any outright tickets that you like for this week? Certainly do. Uh, a few that I did come into the week with Sung JM and Berger, I found the bet boosts over a 365 so i have them peaking at 80s i've got a fino 50 i got willie z at 35 i've taken the bait today on xander at 28 um as phil mickelson said i know many people 
have strong emotions and opinions towards my decision. I am grateful for the many betting options the PGA Tour has provided us, but I just, I respect your decision to hate my decision. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) That's good. All right. Well, the final thing we're going to leave you with is our first round leaders. Sia is the hottest man on the planet in 2022, picking first-round leaders. So we're going to save him for last. Spence, who you like in the first-round leader market? I took Harold Varner on FanDuel at 70-1. to Aaron Wise on DraftKings at 70-1. to Max Homa, 55-1 to on FanDuel. Kurt Kitayama, 200-1 to DraftKings. Hideki Matsuyama, 50-1 to FanDuel. And Joaquin Neiman, 50-1 to DraftKings. I love it. I love it. Jeff, how about you? You got anyone in the first round leader market? Yeah, so this is not really something I do because I feel like you just do it every week or you don't do it at all. That being said, majors, I do like to play. It's like the Super Bowl. You find yourself betting markets you never would ever bet on a game or even a primetime game. Uh, But it is Neiman and Wise that do have my attention. So I'm happy to hear uh, some uh, confirmation bias out of the gate with this segment. I love those right. two picks. Those are great picks. Um, I got three for this week. I like Harold Varner at 55 to one. I like Louis Ousweizen at 45 to one. And I'm going to go with a name that hasn't been mentioned yet on this show with Brooks Kepka at 45 yeah. to one. All right. See ya. You are up. Please tell us we are. What do we put in the mortgage on for the first one leader bet this week? First of all, you got a legitimate eye roll from from <laughs> Jeff when you mentioned Brooks Kepka. No, I just and, everything that will encompass. Like, let's go. Like, no, I'm here for. It. I'm not anti. I mean, I I love it. I I'd like I'm, to see it. I just oh, we'd have to just oh god, yeah. So here's, here's the narrative I'll lay out for it. What's going to happen is, of course, nobody likes Brooks. He hasn't been playing great this year. But Brooks always kind of shows up in majors. I just don't think the form is there. So I see the happening of Brooks coming out, shooting up, firing out a great round one, and then falling apart over the course of the weekend and not actually doing that well. But then everyone's saying after Thursday, like, oh, we should have known Brooks had a major. He's going to play great. And then he won't be there by the end of the week. But round one, I can see it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, for, for a round, he can be good. Even this year, he's been good for, you know, a round. So, okay, so here's what you do. Jeff, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but we were, especially in the beginning of the season, we were super- I know your fire, if that's what you mean. I'm familiar with your fire in this format. Oh, wow. Like, can you see me blushing? Because this is, I don't know how to handle this. Jeff, no, thank I you. I see it. Like, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you crushed well, this thing. You're like Charlie Hoffman, first round circa 2016. 15, 16, is that what we, we would be going for? I'll take that comp. Although Hoffman was striking it well even last year, and then all of a sudden, like, something happened. Like, what happened to Charlie Hoffman? I don't know. Anyway, the point is, it's not just me. Like, Spencer's been hot. Joel's hit a couple. Um, I've cooled off a little bit, admittedly. But this week is different. It's a major. It's the U.S. Open. And I'm going to tell you, you got to take out all the money you can. Piggy banks, uh, checking accounts, savings accounts, IRAs, you name it. Take it out. And put it on these guys. We're going to go with Cameron Young at 50 to 1. We're going to go with Sebastian Munoz at 80 to 1. We're going to go with Brian Harmon at 90 to 1. We're going to go with Si Woo Kim at 110 to 1. But here's the guy, folks. 
It's been a, a pretty popular guy over the last 20 minutes. Listen, you can play all those guys, the four guys I just mentioned at those odds. That's great. They'll probably end up finishing second behind the guy I'm about to tell you about. For the sake of just making this pure, take those guys as well. But your actual first round leader at the U.S. Open in 2022 at 50 to 1, that's DraftKings price, is going to be none other than Max Homa. Max Homa is your first round leader. You're welcome, America and Canada. I love it. I think that's the that's the pick. Uh, I will be mortgaging my home to make sure I put enough on that so that you know I'm set for the future because it's obviously a lock. See, it doesn't miss. Uh, likely, we'll hit two of those first round leaders because he usually does. Uh, but that's a wrap for this week. A super exciting major week, the U.S. Open. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Uh, Want to send a special, really big thank you to Jeff for coming on the show this week. You're a great guest. Check him out. He has some really great contact. Check him out on the Pat Mayo show. They're going to be on Twitter. Uh, mid-tournament so you can sweat the cut with them. Um, see, anything I'm missing? Yeah, no, I, I think you just wrapped it up really well. I'm going to be checking out that Cut Sweat show as well. I think you said Twitter Spaces and on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be really exciting. Uh, Jeff, I... Have I, you told, like, the Fed? Like, America's in some... We're on some issues right now. Like, you could be, like, Time Magazine, Person of the Year, Reset the Economy... You know, yet let Yellen and her crew know that, like, they they can make 50 to 1 on the dollar here and fix a lot of the problems. Jeff, the, the problem with that is, and this is selfish, I'll admit it, I, I don't want all that attention. If <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that I, I don't want attention at all. It takes all of my energy and power to actually muster up the strength to come on to this show and, and, and have a chat with you, Jeff, and Spencer, and Joel. So if I start really talking to the government about, these sort of bailout plans, then all of a sudden I'm on the cover of stuff that I just, I, I, Jeff, it's selfish. I know. I'll think about and then it. Your accounts get limited and you like, yeah, then you can't even do it yourself. Right. Right. And Jeff, right. DraftKings is on to us. I mean, by the time this show's over, home is probably going to be like minus 200. For first yeah. Time. First round leader. That. Minus 200. I believe yeah. that. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Um, again, the only other thing of course is sports. <laughs>